podcast in the galaxy. The Easy Easy Show. Hello everyone and welcome to the Elise Easy Show. I am your host, Elise Easy, and today I am joined by Rachel Oates. Hi. We got a little Kubi there and here. Kyra. You wanna say hi, sleepy girl? Hello, baby. Oh, you wanna say hi? Very, very tired girl, this one. But she's excited to talk about Gilmore Girls, aren't you? Yeah. Big Gilmore Girls fan, this one. She's been rewatching all the episodes with me, haven't you? Well, how are you first? What have you been up to? <laughs> Oh god, I'm doing a um well, I've been doing a lot of like big deep dive videos at the minute. So I thought, you know what, I'm just gonna do a shorter one, something nice and simple, and it's turned into another big deep dive. So I'm looking into the Collins family. I was just gonna yeah. respond to like three of their Instagram posts at first, but the further I dig into it, the more I'm like, there is so much to talk about with this family, it's insane. So they're what another, do they do? They're another fundy family, but they're mostly big on Instagram and they have ten kids. Ten. Ten. All Ten. A. Yeah. It was I, I was actually like doing some research with my writing group last night. I was like, okay, I'm gonna read you out the children's names and you guys have to guess the spellings because they're all absolutely ridiculous. Like one of the kids is called Angel, but it's spelled like A Y N J E L. Why? Why would you do that? <laughs> Why do these people hate their children? Oh, God knows. Um, but it, it gets worse. Um, so there are, like, the kids are all mixed race. And the mother, Carissa, is white. And the father, Mandre, he's black. But Carissa makes some really weird comments about race. Like, she did this one Instagram post once saying that she's always felt like a black woman inside, which is why she married a black man. And then oh, she, Yeah, That's and then good. she goes around... Like she says that stuff, but then she lightens her children's skin in photographs and makes really? them lighter than they are. Yeah, it's really messed up. Oh, yeah. Other than that, wow. they're pronatalists, so they're completely against abortion. They're completely against birth control. <laughs> As, you know, who'd have thought it with ten kids? But, um, but they also believe that you should have kids and keep having kids no matter what so recently and this is what set me off down this rabbit hole carissa put out this post saying like we should all have as many kids as possible so what if your children aren't getting the attention they need so what if you can't afford to have any more so what if uh oh careful baby so what if the older kids have to look after the younger ones so wow. what if you can't educate your kids properly and it's like what, what do you mean so what these are things you should think things. about exactly and she's like no no so what we just need to keep having more and more kids and it's why god knows but the saddest thing is she never wanted kids in the first place she says and now she's got like 10 of them um she also does this really really harmful thing of fasting during her pregnancies because she thinks it's what god wants and she believes she has these like visions and god literally (laughs) sends her messages telling her to fast which which sounds funny but it's led to her miscarrying at least one baby. No way. Her... Really? Yeah, so it was either the last kid or the second to last one. But it was born something like eight weeks premature, I think. And there were a whole bunch of uh, complications and stuff. She got really ill during the childbirth. The kid was obviously born really ill and had to spend a lot of time in the, um, like, uh, what is it, the... NICU. I see. Yeah. Yeah. The NICU. Yeah. That. Yeah. So, yeah, it's horrific. And she still insists on fasting while pregnant. What kind of fasting? Just straight up water, nothing. Yeah. Yeah. No no food. For how long each time? Days at a time. Interesting. Yeah. That sure is a choice. Yeah. There's also stuff around her homeschooling all her kids and it it's it's bad like her kids have no basic reading and writing skills like there's this video she posted a while back of her i think it's a 14 year old daughter maybe 13 and she's reading a children's book to one of the little ones and this daughter is struggling with basic words we're talking like two syllable words that she is struggling to get out at what point I mean, this is such blatant child abuse, but at what point, uh, like, do these people, are they Instagram, are they YouTube? Instagram, it's a big one. Then at what, like, point should Meta step in? Because, like, 
yeah also should facebook I, I think yeah should i say it should i say it? yeah because <laughs> instagram's owned by facebook and it's all meta right but on facebook you're not allowed to do quite a lot of stuff you know like once what did i my dad like like commented on one of my statuses i don't know what he said but i said as a joke i hate all men mm. just as a joke because yeah. like literally all almost all of my friends are boys whatever and i said it to my dad who you know i guess i love very much um <laughs> and facebook removed that comment because they said that it was harmful towards communities and i was being prejudiced and like it was a whole thing and i thought i thought it was really funny and stuff yeah. but like there's a lot on facebook that you will get put in facebook jail for and if it owns like instagram and again with instagram like there's lots of things that you can't actually put on there a lot of the um like a lot of eating disorder accounts got mm. taken down and they're quite they're quite strict with a lot of things so like yeah. why do they not step in with like because th- that's clearly just child abuse you know do you think they homeschool their kids so the kids are more ignorant on purpose mm. or do you think they've well, put that much thought into it or do you think yeah this is kind of like part of the big debate isn't it and this is something i was speaking to my friend tim about the other day so tim is um an author he writes a lot of like non-fiction science books but he also used to work as a teacher for a really long time so he's obviously very interested in like education and talking about like kids education and everything so tim says there are kind of like boards in place and regulators in place who should be checking in on homeschool kids and making sure they're sticking to an approved curriculum and things like that and this is true both in america and uk but more so in america because it's so big Mm. a lot of kids slip under the radar and are missed and forgotten about and families just get away with it especially in certain uh states which are very heavily mormon Mm. in those ones in particular so states like utah um and i can't remember which ones are like quite heavily mormon but in a lot of those states a lot of homeschooling just goes pretty much unchecked and there's like a few different examples of homeschool curriculums which are pretty much designed to indoctrinate your kids Mm. so i think we've spoken about this before but i did the big video on the iblp's curriculum Mm. and how so much about of that curriculum is about teaching your kids hey sorry yeah yeah teaching kids basically like hey this is why this religion is right and all is wrong and you need to stick with this or you're going to go to hell and this and this and this and so on so that one is very much indoctrination i would argue with cases like the ruby frankie situation which is something else i just did a video on yeah Um, with that ruby took her kids out of school and started to homeschool them because she wanted to maintain more control over them Mm -hmm. because she didn't want teachers and educators and other adults who are looking out for the kids to start seeing those warning signs of abuse so in that case i think the homeschooling was less about indoctrination and more about her not wanting to be found out in this case with the collinses (sighs) It's hard to say. I think it's part indoctrination, part they have massive egos and think they're smart enough to teach all their kids when they're clearly not, and part just ignorance and stupidity, and they're not really thinking it through. But then these people, they put all this stuff online. They put it on Mm -hmm. YouTube or they put it on Instagram, so I'm not sure how do they keep getting away with it when when it's there and it's public, you know? They're not hiding it. Yeah. It's... I wish I knew. Weird. Like, people have been calling out the Frankies for years of mm. like different things they've done which have been abusive. And the police have been called to them before, but this is the first time they've actually done something. But it took them literally tying up their children to have any consequences. Mm. It shouldn't have to get to that point before something is done to help the kids. It's a bit similar to the whole Anision scenario people complained about him and his behavior for years and then he had children and yeah. they, they've kept the, the 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 private life quite private but then there were the police mm. reports about um the daughter falling out of the window and the first thing yeah. greg did was grab a oh, camera yeah. to prove he didn't do anything like what are you um and youtube didn't do anything until a, until the discovery documentary was made and then he lost yeah. Uh, his monetization youtube only stepped in when the mainstream started to give a shit because i guess they didn't want to look bad even though i shouldn't be biting the hand that feeds us too much <laughs> i'm being a bit edgy right now susan Rajiski is gonna just like cut off the channel but yeah it's 
it's an it's it's annoying. It's annoying that authorities don't really want to do anything until it's kind of too late. Yeah. But that's that seems to be quite a ubiquitous problem, I guess. It's it's hard in some cases because like some people I've seen arguing like, oh, well, you know, they want to let more evidence be put out there into the world. So they've got like an actual case to arrest these people or charge these people. And like, they've got more and more evidence. I'm I'm like, yeah, okay. But in the meantime, the kids are suffering. Yeah. So like, is that really an excuse? Like, oh, they were waiting for more evidence before they did Mm. something. It's like, is, is that really an excuse? Is that good enough? I don't know. difficult yeah Yeah. it's interesting because a lot of people use the excuse of like oh like free speech and stuff like people should be able to post whatever they want and i'm like yeah but does that extend to like not protecting children if that makes sense i i still don't know if i'm completely on board with like yeah free speech for everyone all the time like i don't and that would be a controversial thing to say i feel like when we talk about free speech what we should actually be saying is like yeah we should all be able to like have the freedom to do things like speak up against the government and contradict the government and that sort of thing but like free speech doesn't mean you can say and do and publish whatever you want anytime you want you know especially when like that publishing is something like showing you hurting your kids like that shouldn't be protected by free speech i fully believe that shouldn't be allowed on platforms does that make sense do you understand what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, and you can't. Does free speech actually really exist anyway, as as a concept? Maybe, but in the real world, I don't think so. Because if you're in a crowded theater or a crowded room and you yell "fire" and there's no fire, <laughs> you are going to get in trouble for that because you can't cause panic. You can't incite <laughs> panic and terror in people. You just can't. So does it? Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Well, to be fair, like my understanding of free speech from a legal perspective is that it means things like you know you can criticize the government you can yeah um it's like basically avoiding a whole like 1984 state kind of thing where like everything is controlled by the government and you need to stick to this agenda and stuff like that free speech means you can have like opposing political parties and stuff like that yeah free speech doesn't mean you can just go around causing panic calling people names lying about people publishing false information all that sort of thing so it's interesting you know yeah criticizing the government should be um it should be a right if it should be you should you should just do it automatically anyway i don't know know about don't know about the viewers i'm sick of our (laughs) government but that's another story for another time well of course you're sick of the tories i just i'm sick of all of them but it, but that's quite reductive. You can't just be like, oh, all politicians are bad. Because, you know, a lot of... I'm sure a lot of politicians are actually fine and do want to try to do their best, but there's so much gatekeeping. Because when I was younger, I really did think it's all a big conspiracy mm-hmm. and, you know, like, everyone's in on it. But then, you know, if you actually go and experience the world, it's just, it's not... Th- that's not true, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Like, I'm sure there's a bunch of... Well, I like Ed Miliband, you know? He tries his best. He, I love Ed Miliband. I've always loved Ed Miliband. I've always been his number one. I was gutted when he didn't win. I was so upset. I was I was in tears, pal, when he didn't win against David Cameron. God, even looking back to like the David Cameron, George Osborne days, it was shit then. And yet, and yet there's rose tinted glasses because it was shit but it wasn't as shit and as bleak as this. I was thinking this today. Um, I had quite a nice morning, you know, I did a podcast with Angelina. I went to boxing, did my exercise. I was in good mood. Then I was walking back through my town mm-hmm. and I just, I noticed like, oh, that store's closing down now. It's got like yeah. everything going. Oh, the Wilkinson's is clo- like has closed down. Oh, you know, Wilco's gone. Like, oh, I'm very if, sad about that. I know. Everything's just, I feel really sad. I feel quite sad about it too. Cause like, um, well, going to Wilco's quite frequently and yeah. like you Great get to know treat. the staff. And you can take dogs in. It's brilliant. Yeah. Um, but I just, you know, everything's grey today and everything is closing down. And it made me feel really depressed because it's like, how much further can people be pushed until enough is enough? Well, this is exactly what happened with Thatcher in the 80s and going into the 90s when mm. they absolutely screwed over the economy, especially working class people, you know? I mean, like we were talking about this before, but like, as a pretty much direct result of all of that, um, a lot of the factories in Peniston where I'm from shut down and that's how my dad got made redundant and mm-hmm. how like 
from the mid 90s onwards he wasn't able to find a job mm. because like once Thatcher and the Tories had absolutely screwed over the working classes especially in the north where we had such a like kind of heavy industry based um like economy mm. All the working class people screwed over. So people like my dad who left school at 15 with no qualifications and had only ever done factory work since they were 15. And suddenly there's no more factories or there's like one factory left in Peniston. And so everyone was trying to get jobs there. Like, what are they supposed to do? Men like that with no qualifications, no other work experience. And no one wants to hire. Like at that point, he he was in his uh, 50s, I want to say. Like, who wants to hire a man in their 50s with no qualifications and no relevant work experience? Mm. It just kind of screwed everyone over. And I feel like maybe we're not quite in that same place now because I'd say, like, especially up north, everything's a lot more versatile. There's a lot more industries. And it's a little... Just generally, the workspace is a bit more diverse now. But I still think it's screwing people over, and especially working-class people. And small business owners as well, which I don't know if you could call them working class, but like small business owners are suffering, especially in the north. I can't tell you how many like small bars and stuff in Leeds have shut down or are closing down. Like one of my favorite bars here, I was speaking to someone who worked there the other day and they're like, oh yeah, we're like weeks away from shutting down. I was like, what? It's bleak. It's a dystopian hellhole, this (laughs) crappy little country. Yeah. (laughs) Not to, you know, what's the opposite of What's the opposite of nationalism? <laughs> Hating the country. <laughs> um, I don't know. What's the opposite of nationalism? I Google that. This is just telling me internationalism. <laughs> globalism. No. Not the damn globalists. Yeah, this is just saying internationalism. <laughs> internationalism the do- is the doctrine that nations should uh, cooperate because the, their common interests are more important than their differences. I mean, I agree with that. Sure, why not? Um, yeah. The opposite of nationalism is multiculturalism. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess so. I don't know. The opposite of loving your country, hating your country. Um, it's all, yeah, it's all just, yeah. it's all just bleak. So, <laughs> feels like TV is the only escape <laughs> one has at the moment. And actually, I've been watching, I'm quite ashamed of this, I've been watching Big Bang Theory. But then in turn, I've been watching Young Sheldon and Young and Sheldon is a superior, I think it's a superior show. Easily. It is, in every, way, easily. in every way. It's so I, comforting. It's up there as like one of my comfort watches. I really like it. I think the cast is brilliant. To say they have child actors, they're surprisingly not annoying. Like, I know, that brilliant. never happens. Yeah, crazy, isn't it? Missy is a little star. I think yeah. she's going to grow up to go really far. She's great. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I really like it. I think as far as comedies go, it is probably one of the best. Yeah, I think Young Sheldon, it's got so much heart. And it's funny, though, because I remember when it was first advertised as, oh, you know, Sheldon's going to get a prequel show. Mm. And everyone everyone online took the piss out of it they were like who asked for this and I agreed with that because like I have a it's funny because I'm watching Big Bang Theory and I'm on season seven but I've had the stigma against Big Bang Theory too you know if you remove the laugh track is it funny some of it is actually like I have been I have been watching it and I do enjoy some bits I like Sheldon and Penny the best but what Mm -hmm. actually what's funny though is anytime Sheldon is being Sheldon my boyfriend turns to me and he goes that's you (laughs) like he's convinced that I am basically Sheldon and you know what do you know what? I've been watching it. I've been like, Sheldon's actually very relatable. And I wonder what this is saying about me. <laughs> I do find him, like, not all the time, obviously, but I do find him more relatable as I've gotten older, you know, because I'm always being like, hmm, the social convention here is to do this, but I don't want to. Hmm, I don't really understand people anymore. <laughs> He is a little bit stuck in his ways, but on the whole, like I, he does make some logical points every so often, which isn't too bad. Yeah. Um, I really one. This is so silly, but like one of the scenes that sticks with me from the Big Bang Theory that I do genuinely like is when, uh, Sheldon and Penny are playing that game with each other where they hold up their little placards, mm. and like with uh, Sheldon he holds up science ones, and Penny holds up like celebrities, and like uh, Sheldon's going through them, he's guessing, he's like Kardashian, and she's like which one, and he's like. Uh, because <laughs> they just all look the same. 
Oh, it's great. But yeah, I, the, I the Penny and Sheldon, the Penny and Sheldon friendship mm. is the best part of Big Bang Theory easily. Easily. It's wholesome, it's sweet, like they genuinely care about each other. It's nice to just see a completely platonic friendship on TV. Yes. And no. there's no second guessing. There's no do they actually like each other? No. Like yeah. Penny is almost like uh Missy for him, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They are very similar, aren't they? And I was quite surprised actually, because I've never sat and watched the entirety of Big Bang Theory, so that's what I am doing at the moment. The episodes are only twenty minutes long. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, and I'm on season seven, but like I never liked Howard when like when it used to be on TV, and you know because mm. Howard he'd always be so creepy, so I never really liked him. Yeah. And actually, I'm at season seven, so I don't know if it changes for the worse later on. But I'm surprised that like he is the character I think that has grown the most because when he gets married yeah. to Bernadette, he stops being a creep, yeah. he stops being like a weirdo to women, and he goes to space. I think he actually turns. Yeah out decently and do you know what's funny though I, I like I I can't forgive the haircut that they gave Howard that <laughs> head. I can't forgive it right so I was I was curious the other day I was just like I wonder what the actor actually looks like have you seen what he actually looks like when he's not got that mental haircut no don't say he's hot I wouldn't say like, I wouldn't say hot because he's not my okay. type but he looks okay. but he looks so much better he like he has a bit of stubble. He has like a different haircut. He looks really different. And it's amazing just like how it's different. How much difference does a haircut make? <laughs> that looks all right, doesn't he? It does. I'm very confused. <laughs> they done him so dirty on the Big Bang Theory. He had to have that haircut every season, I think. They've done him so dirty. I he looks very- so much better. I feel very confused right now. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so weird. Oh God! What? Oh, what done to the costume department? <laughs> oh, I saw Raj once. Really? Yeah, I was on a media trip in LA for my college, and we went around like we had the Universal and Warner Brothers tours and that kind of thing. So you got to see like the sets, and yeah. I think we saw like I don't know. I don't think we ever saw the Gilmore Girls sets. I think it was like Pretty Little Liars, but it was like they yeah. they use similar. You know, they just swap it around a little bit. Um. And then we saw Raj because he came. The guy who plays Cooper Parley, he came yeah. in on his like in his car and he waved at us. And I was like, "Oh, that's that guy." And then um, we saw Adam Sandler as well. Actually, and all the girls in my class like freaked out and they were like <laughs> trying to because you're told like these people they're just working like don't bother yeah. them basically. But a lot of the girls like I think some of them got a picture of him because they were, it was Adam <laughs> Sandler and they were freaking out. But I'd like just met Skrillex the night before, so I could give less <laughs> of a shit. I feel like. It's weird because, like, Raj is the character where, like, out of them all, he's probably the most conventionally attractive, but he's the creepiest one of the lot. And he's, like, the one character who I think gets worse throughout the series because he never stops being creepy. And in a lot of ways, he just gets creepier. I can see that. Like I said, I'm only at season seven, but I can I can definitely see that because at this point, he's gotten over his uh, his uh, shyness and talking, mm. his, his selective mutism. Um, but he's still, yeah, he is still creepy. Yeah. Whereas Howard has like loads of character development. I mean, Sheldon has a lot of character developments to development mm. too, you know. And so does Penny. Yeah. I don't like Leonard. Leonard I liked in the earlier seasons and then just Yeah. Yeah. I hate how like he starts like he oh, he's such a little man child. He can't deal with the fact that Penny becomes more successful than him and earns more money than him and is like absolutely thriving in her career. And then mm-hmm. just as she's like getting everything she wants, all of a sudden he's like, Okay, now let's have a baby. Let's let's do this. And she's like, No, I don't want a baby. And he's like, But we need to have a baby. And I'm like, oh, stop it. You don't need to have a baby. You are a baby, you big man child. <laughs> also, do you know how the series ends? Um, Penny gets pregnant. Yeah. And Sheldon gets a peace prize. Not peace Uh, prize, he gets a Nobel prize. Nobel prize, yeah. Yeah. Him and Amy, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah, making uh, Penny pregnant in the last episode when she has been so adamant she does not want to have a baby. I was furious. It kind of made me, like, hate the entire series a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, all of this just to, like, ruin her character and future. Yeah, I don't like it when they do that either because a woman can't possibly complete be complete unless she has a little kid that she never wanted. But yeah. suddenly she does want because oh, it's your kid. Like big whoop. Yep. So what? Yeah. <laughs> You're still gonna like not sleep for the next three years. Have fun. <laughs> 
like goodbye to your career as well yeah like well we were talking about this the other day weren't we like you were saying about um like surrogates and stuff and like oh the um there's a specific term for it in the because surrogacy in the uk you um it has to be altruistically done it can't Mm -hmm. be for financial gain but in the us it's different so a woman can because i'm like i'm on the side of because like there are some women who are like oh it's anti-feminist because you shouldn't be renting out your body parts but i'm on the side of her body, her choice. If someone wants to rent their womb out and get a hundred grand for it in the US, which like some people, some people can, some people probably depends on the area. Like if you're in LA or whatever, you can, because there are movie stars who won't want to take the time off work getting pregnant. So they will have a surrogate. Um, I think there's also people who like, because Kim Kardashian and Kanye West, they had another kid through a surrogate, but I think maybe like Kim. health reasons. Yeah, she. um, She couldn't physically carry another pregnancy. Yeah. And Sarah Jessica Parker, she she says it's for health reasons, which like I've got no reason to not believe her. I don't I don't know her, but other people have said, oh, like what well, load rubbish, she just did it because she wanted to keep working, whatever. What's wrong with that? I'm I am on the side of like, you know, your your body, your choice. Yeah. Like that has to extend to yeah. if you wanna you know, because Yeah. Men... You don't actually you don't see people giving men grief for like selling their sperm. But suddenly if a woman wants to rent rent her womb out for nine months, like she gets, because there's a lot of ire about this online. There's a lot of like back and forth, you know? But like men have the option to not give up work when they have a kid. They mm. have the option to work right up until the day the baby is born and then go back to work the minute after if they want to. Paternity leave is a thing and it's important that it's offered. But even some men who are offered it don't take the full time because they don't want to get behind in their careers and things like that. Why can't women have that option as well? Hmm. Just because we're the ones who can get pregnant doesn't mean we should. Hmm. You know, plenty of people want both the career and to work. So why shouldn't they be able to essentially outsource one of those tasks? Sorry, they want the career and a baby. So why shouldn't they be able to outsource one of those things? Yeah, I think like, why not? I think ultimately, because there are going to be people who are in disadvantaged situations who are going to maybe go down the route of surrogacy if they're healthy enough. Mm-hmm. And then it's it's like, then you get into a bit of a class issue of are they being exploited because of their economic situation? Because mm-hmm. like, maybe they don't, I think there's a case by case, like basis and scenario for it. I saw like, cause there were a lot of, there were women on mum's net arguing about this stuff and like they were getting really, mum's netty about it and i thought well you can't i don't think you should demonize people for like using surrogates there's certainly a case by case for it it's it's not like a cut and dry it's it's a complicated it's complicated yeah and if people aren't like as long as people aren't getting exploited and they are willingly because like like i said in the uk it has to be altruistic it's not your you get expenses but Mm -hmm. that's it so like you know if someone altruistically wants to rent their boob out why not? Do you know? Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Should we get on with Gilmore well, Girls? Yeah. Why not? <laughs> we just put. <laughs> I don't know, but we just put the world to rights. Okay, so this episode it's called the Deer Hunters, and it's season mm-hmm. one, episode four, and it's about oh no, Rory gets a D, and then she misses her test because she oversleeps because even though she's Rory and she's always prepared she doesn't set an alarm and then Lorelai has a shit fit and then whatever I feel like everyone in this episode was wrong but I give you the floor interest okay well first up my biggest issue with this episode is just a complaint about the American education system but we Mm -hmm. can get to that Mm -hmm. in a minute because I have a lot to say but also I feel like yeah Rory Rory was wrong but I did quite like Lorelai sticking up for her at the end. Mm. But we'll talk about that when we get to it. Um, first, <laughs> my first question that I have is, and it's about the opening scene. How is yellow paper more serious than purple? Tell me how that makes sense. Isn't that quite an American-centric thing? Like they have the legal pads that are yellow or something. And is is really that just hard. like an American thing? Are we being, are we ignorant? Oh no, we're ignorant of America's massive culture. It's a country of like 330 billion people. (laughs) Paper isn't serious. How is that more serious than purple? They're both fun-coloured paper. It's something white if you want to be serious. 
<laughs> I just, it annoyed me a bit. I was like, mm, stop being a little snob, Rory. Mm. Oh, she is a snob. We expect mm. that by now, though. Mm. Yeah. Okay, but this is my time for a rant about the American education education system, right? Mm -hmm. So the whole episode seems to revolve around this English literature test, right? And it's on Shakespeare. I would seriously love to see Rory's exam paper because the things she's memorizing are not like something you'll actually study in English lit in the UK. It's like she has to do multiple choice questions that are like, what year was this play written in? What year was this play written in? Finish the name of this play and stuff like that. Where was Shakespeare born? I'm like, I'm sorry, but that is not teaching them anything. That's like a memorization test. And then Rory's got this big binder of facts like this to learn. I'm like, that's stupid. So, with all this in mind, I looked up some American um, exam papers to compare to, like, what we had to do and stuff. Because how old is Rory in this episode? Is she, like, 16? Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, so, she's, like, 16. So, what she's doing is, like, the equivalent of our GCSEs, right? It seems that, like, Rory's class test is all just, like, oh, remember these facts and meh, 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 meh. Which, you know, it makes sense now why she's struggling in a new school. Because I was, like, surely the curriculums can't be that difficult. Once you've mm -hmm. learned how to analyze a text, even if you're given a new one, you can apply the same techniques. But no, that's not what she's being taught. She's, like, had to memorize a bunch of random useless facts, and now she's having to remember memorize another bunch of random useless facts of course it's going to be difficult for her so then they also mentioned the sat exams and i was like well what is an sat exam because that's not something we have to do mm -hmm. turns out american sat exams that they have to do at 18 years old are like what we have to do in year nine when we're like what? when we do the sats yeah we, we like, do we do sats in year nine yeah, yeah these are like the exams we take at 13 14 it's like really? yeah it's like read this passage and like what is being said here and then like you it's just basic comprehension you have to be like oh well this is what's being said like and summarize it and then pick the lines that show what it means and then the next passage is like you have to correct the grammar in a bunch of sentences so like this one example here it's like um you fix the word it's like indigenous peoples living in what was uh, then the U.S. territory of Alaska was subject to pervasive discrimination, and then the was is underlined, and you have to say like no change, change it to is, change it to has been, or change it to were. Were. Yeah. It, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Or sometimes you um, have to like pick the correct like definition of a word, <laughs> and they're like quite basic words, and then their math stuff is like. Uh, the equivalent of kind of like year nine slash foundation GCSE maths. It's like basic algebra. Like, um, oh God. And again, it's all multiple choice or like this, which is just um, basic Pythagoras. So it shows two triangles. It's like in the figure shown, right triangle ABC is similar to right triangle EDC, where angle ACB is congruent to angle East. Uh, ECD and AE equals 15, what's the length of line CE? Basic Pythagoras. Bearing in mind the numbers to this are like 6, 3, 15. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you know it's just A squared plus B squared equals C squared. C squared, yeah. That's all you have to do. And this is, this is their like 18-year-old stuff. So we're doing this at like 14. So then I remembered some comments that people told me. They were like, oh, yeah, but we have like AP exams that like the advanced students can take and they're like a little more difficult. They're like way more advanced. And so I looked it up and people actually get some college credits for these. And mm -hmm. it's again, these are like the equivalent to our basic GCSEs. Oh. So the ones that we do at like 15, 16. So this is an AP English literature exam that's in Alice Carey's poem, Autumn, the speak contemplates the onset of autumn read the poem carefully then in a well-written essay analyze how Carey uses literary elements and techniques to convey the speaker's complex response to the changing seasons that's our GCSE exams hmm. a-level exams are like an essay like that but then you have to compare like two big texts often from memory so we did things like we compared the Duchess of Malfi with like 30 poems of John Donne's 
and we had to like memorize all these key quotes quotes from all of them and then there were like a bunch of different essay topics and things that could have come up and I think I chose to do one on like um the representations of women in terms of like uh, it's something to do with like power structures and stuff like that it's like women and power comparing between the two plays and then not only do you have to do a literary analysis from memory but you also have to bring in like pretty advanced academic literary theory so be mm -hmm. like this theorist says this and this theorist says this but in this play it's shown like this but in these poems it's shown like this and then comparing the context of the time because it was written in this year and then this was happening and this and this and, this. and it's like way more complicated and that's what we have to do at 18 mm -hmm. this is what their advanced kids do at 18 and it's what we were doing at like 15 16 sorry point is americans have it easy rory has nothing to complain about that is a very bold declaration to make on a channel that is mainly American audience based. <laughs> That's on you. I am I'm neither agreeing nor disagreeing because well, to be honest, I don't really know like I guess as much as you've looked into it yeah. uh, about the American education system because I don't know. I always thought that I always thought that Americans had to do stuff that when I say we, I'm, I'm now just thinking it was probably just like my school. <laughs> when, when they talk about like trigonometry and calculus, you know, all those different mathematical terms. We do I, that. We I do didn't learn that. that. Oh, no, I, it's, just, I, I, it's just all encompassed in maths. Oh, so, oh. Yeah. So I did learn it. I used yeah. to nap in my maths class though. <laughs> well, trigonometry is just for triangles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's your like, uh, you know, the whole like cis, cos, tan, all that sort of thing. A little bit. I know of those are buttons on a calculator. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, they're um, they're values that you can pump into like a calculator or something like that, or you can use tables to figure it out that will help you calculate things like angles on different kinds kinds of triangles. If you know okay. certain lengths of sides and stuff like that, it's basic okay. formulas. It, it's easy stuff. You will have done it. I did used to sleep in maths a lot. <laughs> a few times I brought in alcohol to maths. <laughs> Drinking problems are funny, but no. Um I did that a few times. And it was awful too. It was um there was this there was this alcohol called Aftershock. Did you ever have that? Oh my god, yeah. Like the, the liquid one. Yeah. So disgusting. So I I had some and I mixed it in with like my Diet Coke and I brought I it into class. It. <gasps> it the was teacher was it was the always teacher... my choice of shot at the copper rooms at uni. No, no. The teacher was like, what's that smell? It smells like medicine. And me and my friend were laughing. So it was just me <laughs> drinking. Uh, to be fair, I only did that a few times. <laughs> I don't think I ever went to school high. I went to college high. But yeah, I just like got drunk a few times at school because I don't care. <laughs> I was a proper little nerd in school. I was well, I wish like... I wish I had been. So then like, you know, I wouldn't have to repeat my fucking A-levels now. Drugs aren't cool. They kind of are that I'm joking. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Like, they're kind of fun. Like, they're fun until it stops being fun. Um, anyway. <laughs> so, actually, I don't know what calculus refers to specifically. Oh, look at that be. Um, okay. The calculation of instantaneous rates of change, differential calculus, differential calculus, and the summation of infinitely many small factors. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, we, we did calculus as well. Calculus yeah. might have been a little bit like more towards A level for some people, I think. Mm -hmm. But we definitely did some bits of calculus. Algebra, you definitely did algebra. Basically, yes. think of anything to do with substituting values with letters and graphs and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, what else do Americans do? I don't know. I was never very good yeah. at um fractions. <laughs> and that's so babyish. But I was always just like, I don't get it. What's the point? <laughs> which i wish i hadn't like i've taken that um yeah. i might there's like there's a website where you can learn like relearn how to do maths and i'm considering i'm considering doing it but i am trying mm -hmm. to juggle two late a levels and learning japanese and french like attempting <laughs> so i don't know but you know because it is in it maths is important. Think, it's important for science yeah i think i'd quite like to go back and do a level maths now that i'm a bit older and i have been considering looking into it but i'm like is it gonna be weird if I go back and I'm like, hi, I'd like to do an A level in maths. I already have a BSc. <laughs> no, like you should do science. <laughs> you should do an open study A level like I'm doing. So you can just yeah. do it at home. It's fine. Like and they don't they don't ask about your personal life. They don't they don't care. It's like at home learning. You should yeah. do that. 
because there's there's some bits of maths like especially I think it's mostly the calculus bits that I never had anyone teach me I always had to like Mm. pick them up by myself when I was at uni because I needed them for like stats courses and like um when I was doing biomed and stuff like that and like they were they were useful for that but I just had to teach myself and like part of me is like I actually really want to go back and like learn that stuff because as much as I hated my maths lessons in school because I didn't like my teachers I actually quite enjoy maths Mm. and like I just I there's something very satisfying about especially algebra with like things like balancing equations and figuring things out and figuring like oh well if you have these values then this must mean this and this and like I find that very satisfying I like that a lot but I don't like Sheldon Cooper (laughs) you should do your you should do your a-level math and I'll do I'll do GCSE because I think you can (laughs) You can do open study and you can retake because I looked yeah. at them um, because we never at my school, we never learned economics. We never had like a lesson for that. Um, and I've seen know. that like you can do like GCSE economics and GCSEs take less than a year. I mean, you could probably yeah. fast track it in six months if you like put your head down and did it. Well, so I've been I, considering doing all these things. I did my GCSE French when I was like, I took most of the exams when I was still 14. Hmm. So anyone can do it. Like GCSEs yeah. are pre. yeah let's get back to the episode Mm, sorry yeah anyway rory what a bitch (laughs) yes rory awful (laughs) i um oh god what is this i i just have in my notes risotto gate (gasps) that's with suki and it's so annoying no like that frustrates me that because it's just it's oh it's my craft you've got a glowing review okay like maybe he didn't fancy the risotto so much that's okay like not everyone likes risotto and like it gets reframed when when uh jackson comes in suki makes this makes this meal for this uh restaurant critic the critic gives a glowing review but he says like you know whilst the risotto was fine and suki takes issue with this because she's like it's a magical risotto because it saved my mum's life or some rubbish right and Lorelai's talking to Jackson and he's like, oh, what's wrong with Suki? And she's like, oh, a reviewer didn't like the risotto. And she's like, he's like, you're kidding, the magic risotto? He never said he didn't like it. He said it was fine. That does not, saying something is fine does not equal disliking. Yeah. You know, and it just, it gets blown out of portion. And then she ends up like stalking the restaurant because they're going to yeah. his house to give him the risotto. And That's just so entitled. That, and and then it's privacy. So- annoying i always found that so annoying like i didn't find it quirky imagine if colleen hoover turned up at your front door tomorrow and shoved a book in your face and didn't leave until you'd read it all and given it a good review (laughs) she could try but i am stronger than her in every single way (laughs) no but yeah it's the same thing yeah yeah it's just there are bad reviews out there and it's okay to be upset about them but you can't try and change these people's minds yeah like, you know have a little bit of time wallowing have a little cry if you need to if it's a bad review just be like oh and then work on being better why did she not think there's an issue with her recipe why did she have to be like it must be someone else's fault and then like harassing the waiters to see like what wine they brought her and stuff like oh because she's up her own butt and it wasn't even a but that's the thing it was not a bad review it no. was a the 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 critic it was a loved fine all review. the food. It was a fine <laughs> review, and just like the the weird <laughs> the weird entitlement of these people, you know, like if people aren't constantly licking their bums, they're just not anything below that. They're not <laughs> happy with, you know, because yeah. we see that also. I guess it's a bit parallel to Rory gets a D. I know it's the first time she's ever got a D, yeah. and oh my god, she must feel terrible about it. And sure i get it i mean if you're like a straight a or an a student and then you get a d but at the same time mm. she's joined the school year halfway through mm. it was going to be a bit shaky she still ends up being one of the best students that comes out of the school at the end yeah. right yeah so it's going to be a bit shaky and if there wasn't like uh, like the kind of lorelei lorelei's reaction to it i imagine that if you're already someone who puts yourself under a lot of pressure, having people make like such a big deal of, oh my gosh, you got a D, that would ultimately make you worse long term, yeah. I think, you know, because it's like, it's okay to get a D sometimes. Like, it's not, it it's is not the end of the world. Like, stuff. A, 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 <laughs> a, an interviewer for a job is not going to turn around and go, hmm, remember that time in year 10 when you got a B on this paper? Exactly. It doesn't matter. You know, no one cares. Like I, like for all I've been good in school and stuff, I failed exams. 
I failed my financial accountancy exam with 13% because oh, it was a bitch for an exam. Basically, mm. you go into the exam, they give you like five pages of just numbers and financial statements. Sorry, not even financial statements, just like um, transactions and stuff like that and like lists of assets. And they say, okay, prepare this, this and this financial statement. And you're like, oh, okay. So if you mess up one number near the beginning, throws all your other calculations off. And that's wow. like 13%. And that's what I did. I messed up one number early on and it threw everything else off. I failed my philosophy A-level in the first year. Really? Yeah, I went into the exam and I was high. Oh. <laughs> and I, and I, had the, I had the brilliant idea that day of, hmm, I don't want to talk about God. I know we've been revising this all year, but I don't care. I'm going to answer this question instead. To- like about something totally unrelated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really did I really didn't try with that yeah. one. Um so trying not to repeat that now, but <laughs> it's just like it's it's a learning thing. And like yeah. What failing that exam, I mean I restart the exam and everything, but what failing that exam taught me was that I need to recheck my work and not panic because like mm-hmm. one tiny mistake early on screws up your whole thing. So now when I actually have to do my own financial statements for real, I'm a lot more careful with it. I didn't mm. take that as a, like, oh my god, I'm a failure and my life is over. It was like, oh, well now I know I can make these mistakes. Well, let's not do it in real life. And it's just it's part of learning. Yeah. It is part of learning. And if you fail an exam, you can you can resit exams. You yeah. know, like even if I don't know about university, but even if you're at college, you will have to pay to retake them, but you can. I, um some university courses make you pay some don't so mm. I think for me because I had a lot of health stuff going on as well they just let me research for free but I know oh, a couple of people they did have to pay it, it wasn't that much it was like 20 quid an exam or 50 quid an exam depending that's, on which one it was that's yeah fine. that's right. really not yeah. bad at all yeah so, yeah it's fine um but yeah what I did like was Lorelei in the scene with the parents and you know, um, the like PTA meeting sort of thing. Yeah. And Lorelai's the only one who's like, you know, you are giving these kids too much homework. And then there's all the snobby parents being like, ugh, a scholarship kid. And I was like, ooh, parents like that. I hate them. So mm. I kind of love Lorelai in that scene. Yeah. I liked it when she knocked into the globe and <laughs> she said, what in the world? And then no one <laughs> laughed. I'm sorry. If I saw someone do that, I'd be in stitches. I'd be like, that's, some, that's some quick wit there. <laughs> oh, I do like that. But I just, have you ever met people like those parents, those like rich, snobby parents? Uh, not when I was growing up. Well, no, actually, there was like there was a bit of a divide in the town that I grew up in. Because mm. um, you did have like the 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 richer parts, the more affluent part, and then you had like the part that I lived closer to, where they were like, <laughs> but like, well, like I lived in like this this okay little area and then my friend only lives like less than 10 minutes up the road but she lived next door to a crack house I was <laughs> always getting raided like and this is um, I didn't I didn't grow up in London I grew up like in, yeah. in a countryside area down in the southwest you know because people from London will always be like oh southwest yeah nice posh it's like no no not really though we did have that so I guess like well some sorry parents but I just I guess I didn't really interact with any of them you know yeah. they weren't That's- in my like yeah we had this guy in my first year of uni who was, you've seen the like gap yard like, yes. meme and that guy, he was exactly him, but for real. He was mm. this posh kid who was always talking like, oh, well, on my gap yard, I live in Guildford and after my gap yard, then I came to Warwick and was, he was like proper like stuck up. Okay, that's so was- funny that you just said that because like gap yard people and like the posher people live in Guildford I know I know no they do it's the whole thing this wasn't a joke he was genuinely from Guildford because it's it's a yeah I know because Guildford is a fucking expensive little town it's well expensive yeah nice though but it's expensive (laughs) but like the thing is like he was going on about how his private school education was like so much better than mine and he was like so much more experience yeah I know so Mm. Warwick did this thing it was like trying to like diversify a bit because Warwick has a lot of international students, which means a lot of rich kids. Mm. So they wanted a little bit more diversity. So they offered this bursary for students whose parents earned less than £25,000 a year. My parents earned 9000 at this point. Wow. <laughs> so 
yeah it was Damn. it was rough so I mm. I qualified and it was like you needed to earn under this amount and have grades above a certain amount I think it was something like a star and two a's or something like that or maybe they wanted two a stars and an a I don't know it was just like a little higher than their normal entry requirements so you had to do that and the income and it was just a little like you know we want smart kids from low-income backgrounds we want to give you an incentive to come to uni and this sort of thing and like come yeah. to a good uni I was like great so I applied for that I got it it wasn't a huge amount they gave me like 1500 quid a year I think mm-hmm. it was nice and it was like god this is really helping me for the first time in my life I don't have to work constantly while I'm studying because I've got this little bit of money like helping me out so this guy in my uh yeah he was like uh but it's so not fair you just get like free money on my gut PR like my parents paid for stuff but occasionally I still had to like do a shift in a bar and like you know for a little bit of extra money like and you just come here and get free money I'm like "Mm." anyway because I was like working two jobs before uni so I was like mate we have had very different last years um so he was like going on and on about this stuff and I'm like yeah but you don't need this bursary money it's like of course I do you get a maintenance grant as well I only get a maintenance loan I was like yeah but how much money do your parents give you a week and he's like not even that much they only give me 400 pound a week I was like see and he goes how much do yours give you I was like nothing my parents don't have money to give me and he's like oh I'm like yeah that's why I get the grant and the bursary because that replaces the money that you get from your parents that I don't get from anywhere else and he was like oh well my education was still better than yours I was like was it mate because at the end of the day I got better grades than you and we're still at the same university on the same course living in the same house was quite sad when I was living in London, my last job that I had before I quit to go YouTube full time, and I was working for like a few years at this place. And for the first few years, I was doing six days a week, you know, like half days on Saturdays and stuff. Um, and I don't think that I made £400 a week. It's a bit sad, yeah. isn't it? And this person was just getting that yeah. from being at uni. That's being outrageous. I know. Wow. People, rich kids that's so funny that you're all the, all the way up north and yet like this blank went to Guildford because I know yeah. exactly what you mean <laughs> lovely don't get me wrong sorry <laughs> sorry lovely but yes quite affluent um I have 15 minutes until okay. oh, I have okay. to go for a singing lesson actually oh, nice. so okay so we've um... rambled a lot in this um my next note just says the headmaster is such a little bitch <laughs> Yeah, I thought he was. I thought he was. I thought he was wrong too. The whole like rules are rules. Everything's inflexible. Sure, but they they will say it's to prepare you for the real world. But in the real world, accidents happen. Sometimes people are late. Sometimes shit happens. That's reality. And like you, I don't know. A, maybe I'm ignorant, but I personally don't know a single job where if you were late once, you would get fired. Exactly. I don't know that because that's just not uh, realistic. Exactly. I feel like what's interesting is like as the series goes on, you can kind of criticize Lorelai's parenting a bit more as she gets more and more immature. But in these mm. first three episodes of the first series, she's a really good mum. Like she's the only one who listens to Rory when she says mm. she was hit by a deer. Mm. Everyone else is like, What do you mean you hit a deer? And Lorelai's the only one who says, Oh my god, a deer hit you. She's like the only one who hears her. And it's quite a nice little moment to show that she actually does listen and she's trying and she might be like being a little bit entitled like Rory too, but I kind of do understand her little meltdown and her little rant. So I didn't Yeah, mind and I didn't, you know, the bit where like Rory melts down in the class. I mm. don't mind the part where she yells at Paris and Tristan because they are being awful. And I think, I think that's fine. It's understandable. Yeah. And actually, actually, it's very teenage like yeah. of her to explode at these two people yeah. who are just bullying her. That's... That's fine. Um, I think Max, what do you think of Max? I don't remember what I thought of Max on my first watch. So this is all kind of like me experiencing him for the first time. And I like him in this episode. I really liked him. He was he was strict, but still flexible. He did his job. He didn't really show favourites, but he was sweet and he was nice. And I, I liked that. 
I think you disagree. Well, when I used to watch the show when I was younger, I always um I always quite liked Max. I think yeah. I just fancied him a little bit, to be honest. Um he's not I never <laughs> I never like uh, I I never I guess liked it that they didn't work out and that Lorelai kind of jilted him uh, that we'll get to it later on, spoiler alert. <laughs> but like when I rewatch it, it is quite inappropriate that this bloke is at this well-paying job at this prestigious school and he's he's already quite familiar with Lorelai, like not calling her Mrs. Gilmore, but being like, Lorelai, it's okay. And just and doesn't he like uh ring Rory? Uh, is that this episode? Or am I misremembering it? Does, uh, doesn't he ring the uh, house and say something about? It might be. It might be an episode later. Yeah, on. no. He he leaves. Um, he leaves a, a voicemail voice at the end of the episode. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I I kind of felt like that was a teacher thing to do, like calling home to tell him about mm. the test. So I didn't mind that so much. Yeah, but he did want to get on Lorelai's good side because he fancies her immediately, and it's like sure, shit happens. Like humans are humans. Um. <laughs> but you're at work <laughs> I don't know I think like I think as it goes on I get kind of mixed feelings towards Max especially when he and Laura like argue so he's like let's get married like a like a fool that that happens later on and stuff um I still think yeah he is kind of sweet but Rory getting a D maybe he should have like told her to wait after class before giving her that hit that paper especially as like paris notices and then kind of weaponizes mm-hmm. it against her because like he like, like he's very he's very aware of the fact that paris is a bully yeah but i also feel like he didn't really know rory at this point she's still so new to the school he didn't know how mm. she was going to react he didn't know if that was a normal grade for her like he didn't know if she'd be upset by it or not so like i can't i can't blame him for that that'd be crazy if she got into children but a d was a normal grade for her <laughs> that'd be crazy <laughs> like cheated on the tests i don't know <laughs> yeah i think like yeah to begin with the character had like quite good potential and good intentions mm. and then it does go kind of a bit downhill yeah. as the season progresses but we'll get to that yeah i'm i'm still trying to be like giving him the benefit of the doubt i'm gonna respect yeah. him as as the episodes unfold rather than like trying to think ahead because i don't know if i'm getting mixed up with other men so i'm gonna <laughs> you know Gonna, gonna be fair i think yeah this episode needed more luke though that's my big criticism needs more luke there always needs more luke i know i was thinking when he gives rory the pie mm-hmm. he, i bet he's given her like loads of food for free over the years oh yeah <laughs> well there's like a thing like he goes on a little rant later on in the series to christopher about like how he's always been the one there for rory and like mm. he's the one who did all these things for her like helped her out when she got chicken pox and like looked after her and gave her food while she was studying and helped her move her bed in and out and into a dorm room and all that sort of thing and like how luke's basically been like there for her like a father so yeah he's definitely given her like a bunch of free food and stuff it's sweet i think i saw someone say once on reddit that the gilmore girls is basically <laughs> There we go. Um, The Gilmore Girls is basically what if you were the prettiest girl in your town? Like the prettiest (laughs) girls, you know? Because they just get, like Lorelai and Rory really get to do what they want all of the time. Um, Which I think is also a bit why Lorelai does kind of explode at uh, Charleston being so inflexible. Because Mm -hmm. even though it's early on, I have the bias of having hindsight and also the foresight of knowing where the series goes. Yeah. So we know that like they are quite entitled people because they get given everything. And if you were new to the show, by season, by episode four, you wouldn't be able to deduce that's what's going on. But because I'd know all of that other context, yeah. it's like, yeah, them being told, no, you were late, rules are rules. You can't skirt around it. But they get to skirt around it in the end because Rory gets to reset the exam yeah. anyway. <laughs> I do that, that's why I think like everyone is kind of wrong in the episode though it mm. is nice that Lorelai stands up for Rory she could have done it in a way that she does throw a bit of a fit in the headmaster's office and mm. it's a new school and she represents Rory and she calls yeah. the school a rat hole <laughs> which like is so like I find that so funny but I'm not a parent and I don't have like yeah. that responsibility to anyone the thing is like both Lorelai and Rory's rants are like, I can't be too mad at them because I think I'd probably do the same. If I'm like over-emotional, anxious, yeah. Stressed, well, yeah, I'd probably do the same in both their situations. So I can't be too mad at them. 
I think it's it's definitely relatable, like when you have one of those days where nothing is going your way. But at the same time, the, the kind of logic of it, Rory not putting an alarm on and mm. then being late to school and being on the phone to Lane and checking to see if like a deer is okay. So I'm just like, yeah. you know, it, it kind of, school. yeah, it doesn't really add up, but it's sort of there to serve, like all these like little mishaps are there to serve as the plot device. So she does miss the exam. Mm. Yeah, you know, because that's the kind of point of the episode, um, but it's it's not as in line with the quite strict Rory we know later on about mm-hmm. like being on time and timekeeping yeah. and that kind of stuff. Although to be fair, maybe this kind of taught her a lesson and is what makes her so strict on timekeeping later. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe. <gasps> Did hmm. you see? Um, I don't know if you would actually, because you never open my TikToks. I've sent you like a hundred <laughs> TikToks. So sorry. No, I've done the same to Evangelina as well. I sent her, like, I sent all of you a hundred TikToks a day. No, this oh. one was a... It's because TikToks have sound and you normally send them to me when I'm, like, somewhere where I can't listen with sound. And also okay, it's well, TikTok. <laughs> okay, so I saw a TikTok where this girl was, like, close to tears. Um, was it? Because she... that sounds like something <laughs> I would do. <laughs> She was talking about um, how she just got yelled at because she was like doing a job interview or inquiring about a job or or, or she was at work. I don't know. It, it was something to do with a job. And she was inquiring about whether they accommodate for people with time blindness. And then these people yelled at her. And so she cried about it. And she basically was like, um, she said, a society where we don't accommodate for things like time blindness is certainly a society that we should be uh, dismantling. And I was watching it and I was thinking, how are you going to dismantle anything if you can't be on time? But like, I have, you know, it was coming from the perspective of like, yeah, she had ADHD and I have ADHD as well. But unfortunately, like society isn't going to accommodate for time blindness because it's because that is something that could be easily used as an excuse. Yeah. Um, Instead you have to accommodate society by just like setting alarms. Like recently I've just been scheduling, like actually scheduling stuff in my phone and getting like little reminders sent to me. And it's helping so fucking much, you know, it requires a little bit of organization on my end and then it saves me a headache. Yeah. Well, like I, I wouldn't say I have time blindness, but I definitely had issues with like timekeeping in mornings Mm. and like early mornings and stuff like that. Um, so I just got myself a job where I don't have to do early mornings. Oh yeah, that too. Like, like I wouldn't yeah. be able to. Well, actually, when but I it, think about not, it, it's not asking other people to accommodate me. It's changing what I need so that it matches my skills. Does that make sense? And when, but when you have to adapt, you just, mm. you also just do. Like when I was working at the other job, it was a nine a.m. start. Sometimes mm. that meant, you know, it was usually a twenty-minute walk to work from my flat to to the place. Usually that meant I would roll out of bed 30 minutes before and quickly <laughs> brush my hair and then walk to work. But I would do that to be there on time, like on time or as close to I couldn't be like, no, actually, can you accommodate me being 30 minutes late? Because I would have to open I'd have to open the shop. So if I don't get there in time, it's not getting open. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was just um it was on one like this girl was getting clowned in her comment section as well. And on one hand, like I felt a little bit bad for all the clowning, but on the other hand, it's like, but how entitled are you? You know, a lot of the the world ain't going to change overnight. Yeah. I think also like what job was she applying for? If it is like customer service or customer facing, then yeah, you want to be on time. But Mm. if it's something like an office job, then I can see if she'd want to inquire about like flexible hours and stuff like that. Offices can be quite flexible. I mean, I don't know that as a general statement but i've noticed that like since the pandemic places have been a little bit more flexible yeah you know well i used to have issues with uh, my bus in the mornings when i lived in oxford and my bus to work it was only once every hour and it was a Mm. 50 minute bus and it was just like a nightmare it was constantly late so my boss gave me flexi time so if i got in late in the mornings i could just work later in the evenings yeah it wouldn't be an issue or i could just take a little less time on my lunch break and work through that way and stuff like that and yeah, it made sense, didn't it, baby? You're getting hungry. People said in this comment section, funny how it's time blindness when you need to get somewhere, but then when you guys are clocking out, like it's on the dot. Oh, <laughs> I was just like, I was like the comment brutal. section. It was it was brutal and savage, but I was like low-key agreeing with a lot of it. And like, I had time blindness myself, you know? Like if I go on TikTok, if I go on TikTok and then look at a clock, 
an hour would have gone by and I've not done anything. So, yeah. It's like Kyra playing with ball. She sits down and then suddenly it's five hours later and she's like, oh, time for tea. And that is all for today's episode, looking at the fourth episode of Gilmore Girls. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for watching and listening. Let us know what you think of this um of the episode as well. What do you think? Are you team Charleston or team Lorelei? <laughs> or are you team Max? Are you team Suki or team Risotto? I really enjoyed this episode. I felt like we rambled a bit, but I think it's fun. I think people like it when we ramble though. I don't know, but I, so. I, I, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, guys, thank you so much for watching and listening. Make sure that you check me out on Spotify and iTunes. It could be five stars on Spotify. I make a new podcast whenever I feel like it and we will see you all next time. Bye.